There's nothing left for me. Everyone I knew is dead, and everything I knew how to do is gone. Even if I wanted to leave my bunker, I don't know if I can live through the residual radiation outside. I have nothing left to live for. I see some perfect fodder for my growing cult army. You're a little mopier than I'd like. But a few blows to the head should change that for the better. Heck no. I want that guy to test my new orbital weapons platform. It took so much effort to launch it into space by myself. I deserve the help. like food. dead and I had nothing to do with it but I found my new purpose in life Mom are you okay? Mom! Come with me if you want to live Theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RP gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack Time Accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, the show where we talk about RPGs from the way back when, right up to yesteryear, at least the ones you'll find on your PC and consoles. I'm uh, your host, Phil Willis, and this is the other host, Mr... And this is episode number 111, After the Apocalypse. We're talking about a couple of Fallout games, notably Fallout and Fallout Tactics. To help us do that, we have two guys to help us talk about two games. First up is a man who needs no introduction because his reputation spread far and wide through the power of a nuclear fallout. That is Mr. Scott Walker. Good evening, children. And I don't even know the last time this guy's been on the show. That's what happens when you have kids. Mr. John wasn't Stringer. That wasn't that long uh, ago? I think it was like episode like 72, looking at my notes. No. 72? No, no, it was Vandal Hearts. Vandal Hearts? Yeah. That was 74, wasn't it? No. Yeah. That was 96, 17. It feels like so long ago. We're going to be seeing a lot more of Mr. Stringer in the near future. So. Yeah, so if you, if you don't like me, uh, I guess stop listening now. Mm. Well, well, that's just too bad for the people who don't like you. 
I know. If we don't like you, we're just gonna throw you outside. You know, where all the nuclear fallout is at. <laughs> but he's in Texas. There's not nearly as much nuclear fallout there as there is in Nevada. Hmm. I heard they got quite a few nukes hidden there in the uh, in Texas. Hidden, yeah. I don't. I don't know about detonated. And and the way they're also trigger happy with their guns and stuff. I, I doubt they treat their nukes much differently. Not necessarily as trigger happy. Just a whole lot more. Yeah. 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 Discussion. Uh, we'll be here all night. <laughs> Instead, we're going to take a break. Put you on pause. We'll be uh, right back after these commercial messages. Maybe you'll think of me when you are all alone Maybe the one who is waiting for you will prove untrue Then what will you do And we have returned ready to talk about Fallout, a post-nuclear role-playing game by Interplay for your PC system. Again, developed by Interplay, published in North America by Interplay. This was released here in North America on MS-DOS and Microsoft Windows. Remember DOS? Ha! And Microsoft Windows. That's a hoot. Uh, here on September 30th, 1997. Wait, wait, wait. Which Microsoft Windows? You know, 97. I'm thinking that would be Windows 95. I think 90, Windows 98. Yeah. My, yeah, probably came out in 98. <laughs> that makes a little too much sense for Microsoft to necessarily have done it. <laughs> Maybe they released a 3.1 version. As, no, I'm just kidding. No way. That would have been a Dosh Toss deal if it was. Yeah. I, I, there was only a few games that were like written natively in 3.1 for Windows 3.1. They were really bad uh, for the most part. The, the games 3.1 or both? What games written for Windows 3.1 operating <laughs> system that were, you know, made to run through Windows 3.1 somehow and not through DOS directly? Anywho, um, but this one, this one was a pretty game. I remember running it through DOS back in the day. And now you, well, I got the GOG version, which runs through uh, DOS Box Shell. So go figure that one out. Unfortunately, I, I don't think uh, you can get this on GOG anymore. No, you cannot. Not anymore, uh, but you got that, it for free in December. Yeah. ZeniMax um, pulled it because uh, they just outright bought the IP from um, Interplay, and now, uh, well, ZeniMax is not friends with uh, GOG for whatever reason, even though I'm sure they'd uh, the guys at CD, CD Project, Project would probably rip their arms off to get uh, Doom and Quake on the site. Oh, yeah. Well, um, oh, and Wolf 3D, obviously, but mm. but yes, if you were if if you paid attention to your your news, then you probably went ahead and grabbed that for free on GOG because it was uh, there in the final days. I believe they were running a free deal there. So uh, we're here to tell you it killed it killed their website it did. literally. It was so funny. <laughs> so we're here tonight to tell you. So I know everybody ran out to rush to download their free free GOG version of Fallout. It's either sitting on your account or it's sitting as a downloaded file there on your desktop somewhere and we're here tonight to tell you whether or not it's worth installing and actually playing aha so who wants to start off talking about fallout we're gonna tell you why haven't you played this yet already yeah yeah why haven't you yeah yeah you see what happens when you don't play fallout you make kids cough 
Yeah, man. Yeah, it's a bad thing. Can't upset the children. Don't do it. Don't upset them. So, who wants to take Let's this? Fall out my home. Who wants to take this away? Who wants to tell me about the uh, the story? The story or the the game itself? No, we start off with the story. Always the story. Well, Always the story. It starts with Ron Perlman. Yeah. As, as all good things should. That it does. Come on, who wants to do the line? No, I'm not Ron Perlman. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> any of us are. And if my mixer was working right, I could just crank the bass on my mic feed, but that's not going to happen. So, it, you know, you know how it goes. Hmm. Right, Phil? Duh, you know, I'm not even sure who Ron Perlman is when it comes to these names. I'm completely what? clueless. Oh. Ron Perlman? Yeah. No? No. That's crazy. <laughs> no. Just, just get out. I quit. I'm leaving now. I know who Squall is. Is Squall in this? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yay, Squall. You shoot him. <laughs> right, you shoot him. <laughs> Pee on it. Give it to your dog. So, what? I believe Fallout was set in kind of an alternate timeline universe, right? Yeah, it's so like it a retro, kind of futuristic retro. Some somehow uh some sometime after World War Two I take it. Well, there was there the break point has to do with the Cold War continuing on into a full blown war over gasoline between North America and the communists, and then it escalates to full on geothermal global nuclear war, hmm. like you do when you're out of gas. And now it uh, the action picks up what twenty years after the fact. Want to say? Uh, I'm not sure. I just know China invades through Alaska. I remember that, and the uh, U.S. fights them back, and then suddenly nukes are set off, and everyone gets into bunkers and uh, hides off into the uh, away from the nukes. And I guess there's some humanity that survives outside, and uh, the more privileged grow up in the uh, fallout shelters, which uh, where your protagonist. Uh, you start off uh, coming out of your shelter and you need to go help out your shelter. Except they, you know, um, outsourced the uh, the Fallout Shelter project to vault Tech, which was less interested in actually preserving the lives of a lot of people and turning the vault into a little bubble for increasingly bizarre social experiments. Hmm. It comes up. Yeah, and your task is, I think you have a water chip that is uh, faulty or about to go faulty in the uh, fallout shelter. It, it has already gone faulty, okay, but you have about fault. five months of water stored up. Yeah. Like so this game is literally a the, ticking clock. Yeah, you actually have a time limit on when you can accomplish everything, which uh, for such a free-roaming game, that's almost kind of adds... I guess some people may like the uh, that time limitation. Some people may hate it as, hey, it's kind of counterintuitive to me going and doing whatever I want to, kind of a sandbox RG. So, uh, well, how, and how even then, does time pass? Uh, it is... When you're traveling between zones, time passes, you can wait, which improves your healing. But otherwise, like, if you are walking through a dungeon, time doesn't really pass. Yeah. Okay. And if you really wanted to make the five months just vanish as quickly as possible, how long would you have to wait? Oh, there's just a button you push on your Pip-Boy, and it's like, wait X number of hours, and you just keep hitting, like, wait 1,000 hours until... We're all doomed, and it's your fault. Yeah. Game over. So and you, uh, in the, the original build, I'll I mention it how now. Can be. <laughs> okay. I'll mention now that in the original release, there was a second time limit. Like after the after the five months, you got the water chip running. There was a five hundred day time limit before an army of mutants would just invade the vault and you lose. Yeah. The first patch uh, removed that. Did it remove it or just extend it? They they removed it entirely. Okay. Was that a good thing? Um, it it was an it was probably a good thing, but I kind of liked 
the factor. I I, I kind of like that idea that there's actually tension to the story beyond just all the characters saying it's important. Like, I mean, it, you know, I, I constantly joke that, yeah, of course the best time to uh, master the art of chocobo inbreeding and get all the cool weapons <laughs> and, you know, grind out a few more levels is just before the meteor hits the ground. Well, that's that's just a really, really slow meteor. Well, yeah, but it's... I, I like having that actual tension there, and I like that the uh, writing actually kind of plays with it a bit. Like, you can extend that five-month deadline by getting uh, a caravan to bring water to the vault, but that also decreases the deadline on the mutant army, because now they know where you are, because they can just follow the caravan. Yeah, and as far as story, um, there isn't much more to it than that, as, besides, you know, individual things that you can, you know, have happen to your character along his travels. So there's a lot of, uh, but, you know, you don't necessarily have to experience all that or, or in that same way. So um, it's not like, it, you know, it's a very nonlinear game. So it's hard yeah. to. The, the real meat of this is all the side quests and all the like fun little things you find. Like you'll be walking through the desert and you'll be like, "You've been attacked by red scorpions." Also, there's this blue box. You know, kind kind of it's blue and it says "police" on it, and it's just sitting in the middle here, and it's weird. <laughs> yeah, they have they put a lot of humor and a lot of uh, pop culture references and and uh, things like that in the game that uh, made it pretty endearing and cool um, and you could play it once and then play it again and have a very different experience from one to the next it's very it was very atypical uh, of how RPGs were back then so and, I think and are now yeah it's true. god dang it <laughs> <laughs> well it's much much harder to incorporate player choice when you can just have a linear steamroller storyline or roller coaster well, it's also just that much more expensive to design entirely new environments to interact with, and oh, a whole bunch of new dialogue popped up. Let, let, let's just keep this tight. And Spectacle sells games pretty easily, so let's just spend tons of money on artists so we can have this one cool particle effect when a building goes down in a cutscene. Well, let's get the Yay. Spectacle out of the way real fast here. Graphics, how have they aged? Well, Poorly. Yeah. Okay. It it's is hard first, to watch. Uh, yeah, one of the first Infinity Engine type games. So if you're familiar with like the Baldur's Gates and uh, Planescape Torment, it's going to be you know it looks kind of similar to those games, but a little bit more uh, uh, earlier, a little more crude than those. So I would still say that looks better than most PS1 3D of the times. Like okay, it looks better than a lot of stuff that came out in 1997, yeah. but it's still rough. Fair yeah, enough. That doesn't mean it's aged well. I mean, yeah, it looks a hell of a lot better than uh, the the remake of Frogger. <laughs> oh my gosh! But it's still like when when all the characters are just like a little tannish circle with a blob of hair on top. It's like which one of the you have to like you have you really do have to hover mouse hover over everything so the little box in the corner can tell you what you're actually staring at. Well, okay, now that we have have established that this is not for somebody who absolutely needs to have every grade on screen, we can just know that and move on. Wait, do I get do I get different powers when I put on different outfits? Like my alchemist outfit or my dark knight outfit? Hmm? <laughs> well, uh, the leather armor lets you befriend Australian shepherds. Ooh. 
and everything else is just like, hey, you have better armor now. <laughs> oh yeah, this game borrows heavily from some themes of like you know Mad Max, Road Warrior, and a boy and his dog, and all that. So like all, all get... the classic post-apoc uh, texts. Yeah, yeah. You get the uh, the dog meat companion who kind of sticks with you throughout the different games. It doesn't stick with, but he makes his appearances. I am reminded year. of the mothers who rented a boy and his dog, thinking it would be a wholesome family film. <laughs> oh yes, they got a rude awakening that night. <laughs> So, uh, trying to think of how to how to talk about it because it'd be so each time you play it, my experience may be different than well, Scott's or Phil's. Def- definitely true. But um, uh, let's roll it back to just character creation then. Yep. And roll from there because this uh, has a, another bit of a storied uh, legal difficulties. Uh, they had originally licensed Steve Jackson Games' GURPS engine, which is uh, the generic u- universal role playing system. It's hella generic, but it works. Until you try to design a vehicle in it, and then you need a degree in trig. But, you know, and and they had just sort of plugged that in and written all the plot around it. And then um, Steve Steve Jackson himself saw what the game was depicting, which was uh, little cartoons of guys getting shot. I think the, the bloody mess perk was what set him off. It's like, no, that's gross and disgusting, and I will not have my name associated with this. Uh, and pulled the license, and so uh, like Brian Fargo had to disappear into a room for a week to rebuild a game, the basically the interaction engine of the whole thing. We got special. We got the special system. I think it's a testament to his skill that he managed to do it without messing everything up completely, right? Yeah, no, it it's not completely broken. I mean, <laughs> it, like it it's not an exploit riddled mess that that took uh, Bethesda and uh, ten years to do. Yeah, uh, but it's special stands for Drink, Perception, Endurance, Charisma, Intelligence, Agility, Luck. Which are your core stats? Some more, probably more important than others. Hey. Gotta have luck. They're all they're they're all good. Luck is important. I think and agility and perception are I think my the the two best combat abilities. But if you don't right. have high enough intelligence, your dialogue does change. Yep. Like if your int drops below four, you you get grunty and monosyllabic. Yeah, you're a blubbering I- idiot. <laughs> you, you need uh, charisma to be a certain level. Otherwise, you just can't interact beyond basic procedural dialogue. Strength. Did that affect how much you carry? Yes. Yeah. And it obviously affects if you can use certain heavy weapons or not, and obviously your ability to melee. Yeah, your dude punching powers. And a perception was shooting how how we shoot and uh, aim. And agility was how many action points you got to use, which I guess we'll get into that in a second. And I'm trying to remember what I guess endurance is just hit points. If I remember. Yeah, hit points and all your saves against uh, horrible disease and radiation and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, as far as combat goes, it's a uh, action point system. Believe your agility uh, helps set how many action points you get per round. It's got it's turn based, and uh, certain actions like shooting will take you know th- three action points, and then every movement tile takes an action point, or every couple movement tiles takes an action. So uh, whenever you free roam and wherever you get in a battle, it goes in this turn based mode. Yeah, and, uh, and this game makes you loves making you right click a lot because that's just how you cycle through everything. I spent a long time. I I picked this up when it was free and loaded it up and spent about half an hour trying to remember how I switched to like burst fire on my SMG. <laughs> what, what do I do? I, th- I think in Fallout 2 it was like I hit V. This isn't doing anything. God dang it. <laughs> Not loading uh, up the manual. I didn't download that because the server's down. 
along with the special system you got cool things like perks and uh, traits Um, traits I always kind of flip them traits are the ones that are both positive and negative Um, and you can only take them at character creation yeah so like you're I'm trying to think of an example of one like small Uh, framed was one where you uh, like you you were harder to hit but you couldn't carry as much and you had more agility but less strength or something kind of like that yeah then there's perks, which are only good for the most part. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously you want a lot of those, but those, I think, Bloody Mess is a perk, wouldn't it? Yeah, Bloody Mess is a perk. Which doesn't really do much for your character, but it makes enemies die extra gruesomely. Well, it was like, I think it was a flat bonus to damage. Was and it a flat your, bonus to damage? And either that or it made your crits better. Okay, I thought it was just like a visual thing. <laughs> no, the the visual thing was there for all the kids. For, for all the kids. Yeah. But it was still like... Um, I, there was a there was a there was an actual mechanical benefit to it. I think you you either critted harder or there was a small boost to damage across the board. I do have I forgot to uh, to uh, make a note that uh, I haven't played this game in almost a decade. So oh yeah no I, I started <laughs> it up and I'm like I literally do not remember anything about anything. Which way did I go? Where do I get the doggy? If I can find the doggy, I can maybe start this get rolling. I never found the dog. <laughs> I remember I did get dog meat, and I got some other guy. The Your NPCs that will join you, you can kind of change out their weaponry. You can say, okay, equip this, equip that, and uh, but you can't really access their inventory. I don't remember. You can't change their, their armor or anything, and you don't really directly control them. They, they kind of control themselves. So, as I was saying, when I was playing Fallout 2, which plays a lot similar to this, I got stuck in a corner by an NPC who wouldn't move, and my game was basically dead there, because I didn't save in a while, so... Uh, they, if you like controlling all of your little teammates, you know, like in uh, Baldur's Gate or Icewind Dale, then you might be a little frustrated in this because you only control uh, your your uh, main character. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, these guys uh, tend to be pretty competent, and there's yeah. not as much, many moving parts as say Baldur's Gate, where it's just like, okay, here you go, have this decent gun, shoot the bad guys, and then they walk around and shoot the bad guys. Yeah, and the, and the game's not quite as combat heavy as some of those either. You can play a lot of this game without getting a much combat so juice uh there there are definitely especially out in the desert uh, when creatures attack you uh, it's not as uh, not as many scripted battles um you also have skills like uh there's a whole bunch of different skills you you that's what also intelligence is good at it gives you more skill points doesn't it yes yep and uh these are you know like small guns big guns uh melee there's explosive devices there's some like a survival desert survival skill but you your intelligence gives you a certain add certain amount of skill points to your pool and you you know, put those skill points to kind of uh, customize your character and what what he wants to get. Lock picking's another one. Uh, hacking's another one. So uh, you can definitely uh, pick and choose which way you want to uh, attack certain problems. And then if you don't have a certain ability or skill enough to solve a certain problem, you just kind of miss out on that part of the game, basically, for another playthrough. Right? Yeah, that that was pretty much it. I I I mean, I my one big complaint about it is the skill list is. There's a few redundancies that I just sort of bang my head over. It's like, why is there first... There's, like, first aid and medicine, and I'm like, yeah. really? Is there a difference? One is for healing your hit points, and one is for removing status effects, and I'm like, yeah. I just shake my... I just I just stare at my rad score and shake my <laughs> fist at my low medicine skill. They should have been rolled in the one. And there's, I think, yeah. a few that are kind of worthless, as in they usually are. And we talk about a ne- next game, they get even more worthless in some respects. Um, 
I do not have a skills list off the top of my head, though. I'm just going by memory there. I'm, I've got the wiki open, but the fans seem to be uh, have their own logic about how this is organized. <laughs> uh, what else is there? There's a karma system, so um, it doesn't really play that big of a role that I remember. It's kind of like, oh, you're good or you're evil, kind of typical typical stuff. Um, and certain actions will... Move it in one way or the other. Uh, pretty self-explanatory there. Well, good or evil stuff was pretty much limited to the PC. At that, I can't remember any console stuff in the mid '90s, late '90s. Did that? Uh, let's see, console stuff in the '90s that totally did that. Um, and yeah, you, to- you're probably going to come up with something right now. Oh, I'm I'm looking at the list. I've got oh, Dark Forces Two. <laughs> Wait, that was a PC title. <laughs> I got nothing. Well, maybe I'm sure if we go through the list of everything released on consoles in the 1990s, we'll find something. But we'll let somebody else with a whole lot of time on his hands do that for us. How's that? We've got a we've got enough. Well, actually, guys on the forums. Yeah, though I mean, I was more maybe at the time it was still fresh, but now we're all used to the uh, good or evil scale. But uh, you know, uh, this is one of the early ones that did it. We can't yeah, the, we can't not talk about the pip. We have to talk about pip. Yeah, it's it's a cool thing. It's an iPod on your wrist. It's like one of those smartwatches, right? Yep. They were man, those things that all the spies had in the seventies. <laughs> But the okay. Pip-Boy kind of, it was like, it's kind of like your your uh, menu screen. And um, if you've played Fallout 3, yeah, you're kind of familiar with the, its function. But a uh, little device on your wrist. and Well, it, it's funny because when you first get it, it's a little beaten up. And you can eventually find a guy who can install a few other modules to it. But there's definitely a point where you'll pull up your, your wrist computer. And it'll tell you with the time and the date. And it'll give you little reminders of things. But then there's still this post-it note of 130 days till home runs out of water. Water. <laughs> it's the redundancy fact. Maybe you're too stupid to look at your pit boy that morning. Well, that that's like a fifth. It's like a sixty-year-old post-it note, and you wasted it. No <laughs> one's making great, those anymore. That's a great ad for post-it notes that they still had their stick factor after sixty years. That's too funny. Uh, okay, music. Is there any good music in the game? Well, we've got the ink spots at the opening and a bunch of kind of generic ambient stuff for everywhere else until the end credits. <laughs> that can work. Yeah, I don't. I'm. I can't recall how well the good the music or sound was in the game. So it was. Uh, it wasn't bad enough for me to remember it being bad. So, but it wasn't great. So it was just kind of there. It did the job without being noticeable. Yep, pretty much. That's what I'm hearing. Yep. And it wasn't, and I don't think it was MIDI, unlike uh, a certain other a game that came out earlier in the year, Final Fantasy VII. Well, let, we can slam that game relentlessly some other time because it's so easy to do. No, but this is, this is like, it came out the same year. I have a reason to directly compare them. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you, Scott. Slam it the hell, slam it as much as you want. No, no, just when it comes up, when it feels appropriate, I'm going to be like, hey, this has voice acting. Ha! And it would be worth mentioning, this was a spiritual successor to Wasteland. The game was that it even... came out 11 years prior to this. Wasn't this supposed to be a Wasteland sequel at one point? Yeah, they couldn't uh, buy the rights off uh, okay. EA. So those who are interested in the new Wasteland 2 coming out, this was, you know, these, these are very similar games, obviously. Well, wow. similar-ish. I mean, Wasteland came out in 88 for the Apple II yeah. and the Commodore 64. I mean, uh, m- most of the graphics are four-color VGA fun times. Well, I'm, I'm referring to gameplay and not so much looks, obviously. Even now, there was another, what, almost 20-year jump to Fallout in uh, Wasteland 2 now. What, 18, 17 years, 16 years? 17 years now. Yep. 
Well, okay. How is the voice acting? Any recognizable personalities on display? I believe yeah, they're Ron Perlman. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say he's a recognizable personality, definitely. Uh, I'm trying to remember who out there. There were some decent people at the time. I'm trying to remember. Uh, oh, MacGyver. <laughs> he, he's the guy who junk store owner. Does he create anything using just paper clips, spare used chewing gum, and a picture frame? No, but you can buy all those things off him. Good enough for me. Uh, you've got uh, Keith David because he's awesome. No argument there. Uh, Tony Shalhoub, Brad Garrett, uh, Richard Mall, and Tony J. I realize I should not be thinking of crappy 90s sitcoms, but I always think of Wings first when I think of Tony Shalhoub. I'm sad. No, you, you gotta remember, you gotta remember Monk. That's what it's all about. <laughs> I know, but USA was airing it right when I got home school years ago, so I watched tons of Wings, and now I can never get it out of my head that I thought Crystal Bernard was hot at the time, which she kind of was. Wow, we got off track. Mm. Yeah, Tony, Tony Shalhoub will do that. <laughs> Tony J, good act. I like that guy. Too bad he's dead now. Who? Tony J. You, you would re- you would remember him as uh, the voice of Shere Khan on Tailspin and the voice of God damn it, what the the omnipotent one in Planescape. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I one of the main characters in um, Legacy of Cain. I played so, yeah. one of those a long time ago, but I couldn't tell you. You know, one of those British guys with a great voice. Gotcha. Well, I, I don't really think for all such an important in big game Fallout was, there's not too much to talk about without just going into minor little side missions and memorable Well, one thing, one thing that occurred to me, just playing it, replaying it now after years, is um, Bioware games have kind of trained us all to just click through all the dialogue options until you get the little bing in your corner that gives you the next quest objective. This game will beat the crap out of you if you do that. Like, you actually have to read what you're about to say and hope it doesn't piss this guy off. Yeah, it's very, very uh, dialogue-intensive game. I don't necessarily mind. That was what... That was Planescape, and Planescape was awesome. Yeah, it's uh, there's some uh, a bunch of similarities to this in Planescape, I would say. In, uh, in that regard. It's all, Sounds like we're winding down, though. It's all I have to say about Fallout. Like, honestly, it's still on Steam. Go check it out. Just know it hasn't aged even as well as sort of uh, the, the Bioware Infinity engine cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's similar. It's a little bit of a wake-up call when you go back and play one of those old Infinity engine games. Um, I just I remember a couple of years ago, I went back and played some of the original Baldur's Gate. Um, not the enhanced edition, just the regular good old-fashioned 640 by 480 deal. Yeah. It's like, can I zoom out? I, everything's so in my face. I want to zoom out desperately, but I can't. Till you get the mod thing, but then yeah. all the icons. But at least you can see. You know, when zoomed out, it's not too bad. It's just all your character tight. And heaven forbid, there's actually loot on the. I don't know. The Fallout mod scene was. Did they have uh, you know uh, resolution mods and such uh, for it as the Baldur's Gate series did? Yeah, there, there's some. That there's a few. There's a few out there. They aren't great. Like there's not a lot to work with. So up, finding ways to upscale it are not all that helpful. 
But still, I mean, obviously a, a deep game with a lot of replayability potential um, that's, uh, you know, set um, in a post-apocalyptic thing, which you don't get to see as much as, say, your typical fantasy setting. So yeah. definitely worth worth checking out if you can just get past the, <laughs> the graphics hump. You can get over that. You'll have a good time, I think. The world is really cool. Um, the environment, uh, just how you're kind of, you feel like you interact with everything more than just being like a, a someone that passes through. So I, I kind of like that aspect of it. Yeah, for you role-playing purists out there who say, hey, the graphics don't, this is what you want to dive in because it's got so much earning hood. All right, well, we're going to take a tiny break and we'll be right back to talk about Fallout Tactics. We're ready to take your Fallout experience to the next level with Fallout Tactics Brotherhood of Steel. I mean, everything about that title just sounds so much cooler. Tactics are awesome, Brotherhoods are (laughs) awesome, and Steel is awesome. This was developed by Microforte, published by 14 Degrees East in Bethesda. Are you trying to get me to watch the Shaquille O'Neal Steel movie there, Phil? Pretty much. Yeah, this was, yeah he wants you to do that. This was released, on, need- <laughs> this was released on March 15, 2001 for Microsoft Windows. This is a tactical RPG, single and multiplayer experience coming to you on one shiny CD-ROM disc. Unless you got it through GOG, like the rest of us. Is I it still on GOG? Or... Something tells me no. No, but I think that one's still on Steam, and it does get reprinted on discs every now and again. So go, like, look in a Best one. Buy in that dusty corner they reserve for PC games. It'll probably be hiding behind old WoW expansions. <laughs> old WoW expansions. Yeah. I may have to take my chances in thrift stores because I don't have a Best Buy here. I have a GameStop. That's it. Yeah. Oh, Sad, well, really. why? What? Well, yeah, you don't buy PC games from GameStop. That that's just crazy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that crazy. I'm crazy some ways, but not that way. Fallout Tactics uh, Brotherhood is Steel is no longer available for sale on Steam. It's listed because it was sold at one point, but uh, really, yeah. and huh. it's still available to people who have bought who it bought to download. It, yeah. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that has to do with uh, the Zenimax buyout. Then, yep. Yeah, for, you know, every once in a while, sometimes you'll see a game on sale for like a buck or two bucks or five bucks, and you're like, you know, I better snatch that up. I don't have time to play it, but you never know if it's going to be there tomorrow. See there, Fallout and Fallout Tactics is your proof of concept. Yeah, buddy. Glad I snatched those buggers. Anyway, so who wants to talk about the story of Fallout Tactics? Brotherhood of Steel. And you're required Not to be confused with the other Fallout Brotherhood of Steel. Mm-hmm. Or what about that other sequel, Fallout Sisterhood of Cotton? Did, did you remember that one? So, 
Is that no, no, they're, to, they're, to the sisterhood of the traveling pants? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's literally actually another game called Fallout Brotherhood of Steel. It was really terrible. It's like, uh, this one's only an action game. Yeah, that that was the uh, the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance reskin. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here and guess something about nuclear apocalypse and vaults. Kind of. Well, this... Uh, this happens after Fallout Two, even. Oh. So we kind of we're skipping around the story. Um, oh well. Like like the well the story doesn't matter because. Uh, it's true. This was the, a canon. Uh, the, the writers have sort of declared it non completely non-canon. Though they did mention it in Fallout Three. Well, yeah, because they made because one little kind of tone deaf like that. <laughs> But basically, there's uh, there's you have this Brotherhood of Steel, which was uh, one of the bunkers or the fallout shelters uh, that had a little was a little more technologically advanced, and um, they kind of became this warrior force called the Brotherhood of Steel, and they ended up becoming a splinter faction in the group or or two opposing factions that one wanted to incorporate the. Uh, I forget the word for them, but all the humans that, that lived through the uh, fallout and lived out in the wild and then there was the purist that didn't want, only wanted the uh, the fallout shelter ones to uh, to be in the group and they ended up winning out, the purists, and they sent, they kicked the other guys out who flew in these big zeppelin ships for some reason and crash landed yeah, and they crash landed the Zeppelins were probably full of helium and not hydrogen. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and I guess they landed somewhere near Chicago, and then the goal was to get eat to pizza. this special bunker. Uh, it was Vault Zero, special vault that had all this uh, technological uh, advancements, and, and that's where all the, you know, the most of the technology and the greatest minds went before the war to uh, be able to bring back humanity after... Uh, all the uh, nuclear fallout uh, subsided, so they set off from there. And Sounds like a touch of eugenics there. Oh yeah, there's some eugenics. You fight a crazy. You you ride. You, you fight some crazy robots. Like there's cults and mutants and mutant cults. This game gets a any, bad any rap. Any Omega Man I, homages? No. Ah, oh well. I actually have a soft spot for this one. I think it's uh you get away from a lot of the you know it's a very linear game you get you, you lose a lot of the choice you lose a lot of the uh the you know well make your own adventure type things the first two were kind of like freewheeling you come up with your guy and you play it your way and here it's just you are brotherhood of steel guy you know number 2267 and you uh do whatever the boss tells you and you fight your way across these maps and you don't interact with the flavor at all well, it's a tactic. This is like the Icewind Dale to the Baldur's Gate. This is the combat game. It's solely focused on the combat. And actually, the combat is better, in my opinion, than the previous games. Uh, there, there are three different combat modes. The one I always used was still the turn-based. Uh, no, the other one was like a squad turn-based, and I can't remember what the, the last one was. I never one really would, used One was like semi-real-time, one was your squad goes, bad guys goes, and one was like more of a you just rotate the one guy at a time. More standard, traditional. That's the one I always chose was the uh, independent turn base or individual turn base or something. Um, so I like that. Uh, this, you would recruit your uh, your regular you, uh, Brotherhood of Steel guys. You can also get uh, 
What what is the name? What did they call the citizens that lived outside of the shelter? They had a word for them. Do you remember? Were they were they tribals? Yeah, tribals. I guess it's tribals. Um, so you'd recruit some of those guys into the groups, and you know different characters that you you'd get access to uh, would have you know different strengths and abilities. But typically, I think most of the best fighters are some of the ones you got early on. Uh, though you could get Riddick. <laughs> I got Riddick on my team, and he was Let's awesome. See, that- Let's see, that is right after the original Chronicles of Riddick, and I don't remember if Pitch, Pitch Black, Black had come out. Okay. No, Pitch Black was the first oh, one. You're right, 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 right. I'm this was a, uh, about a year up. after Pitch Black, so uh, Riddick was Obviously, a special character you could get. Yeah, I seem to remember Vin Diesel started his own studio around that time, and it didn't do all that well, but it made some games that were well-received. So now that I've add? derailed everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good at that. Did did I pick up the plot pretty well? And I'm just going off. This game's not a very. It's, it's got plot, but it's not that plot heavy. Uh, yeah, you I know... just you just you you load the map, you shoot the guys, you move on. I think my my biggest complaint is that there really isn't in a tactical game in a post-apocalyptic setting. Scarcity isn't really an issue. Yeah, like you never really find yourself counting bullets. I don't recall doing so. No, you get the you get a satisfactory upgrading though of weaponry and uh, armor and such, but it's uh, it's more purely about the the battles and going for one at the in the character development. Um, I think you get there's a betrayal by one of the group and uh, yeah, you, you know the ending I thought was pretty cool though. Um, oh, I don't, did anyone else beat the game here? I didn't get to the ending, so maybe should I not spoil the ending for everyone? Just spoil it. I'm not. I, I might own it, but I'm never going to get to it. We're, huh. we're on the backtrack. That's what we do. We spoil things. Go feel, for it. I, I told you. I told you he hasn't been on the show in a long time. He's already forgotten all the rules. <laughs> all two of them. Well, Go for the gusto. You have uh, your general that's been you know leading you, and he gets taken over by the. Eventually, you get to this that Vault Zero, and the Vault Zero has been run by these robots. Okay. And the Vault Zero had all the greatest, smartest, genius minds in it. And there's this machine, this big computer system that they ended up making called the calculator. And the calculator is taken, it's, you kind of hook up these brains to it. And there was all the genius brains. And they were, it's kind of like, you know, the master, the... Wait, genius the, the brains? Machines. They, were, they raided the Apple Brain Trust? Yeah. The machines and like, you know, Terminator or something, uh, you know, at the end. Skynet. Uh, Oh, Skynet, Skynet, right. It's kind of, you can draw some parallels to Skynet with it. But it's a calculator and it's running on the human brains, uh, uh, given it its intelligence. And they they capture your general uh, figure and he gets taken over by him. And you can do something to, you can either kill him at the end or one of the last battles, or you can kind of disable him. And then you go and you fight the calculator and defeat him. At, and then you have some choices, like three or four different choices of what you want to do. You can either destroy the calculator, and your guys just kind of set up there. Uh, these I just read some of the other optional endings after I'd played it. Uh, I think the one I did is I set up the general as to be the next calculator brain. Um, you can also uh, give your own brain to him, but I think the only way you can do that is if you hadn't killed the other brains that were with him directly. If you did that, you'd get bad karma, so you had to like do splash damage and explosions around them so they would die to kill the calculator. And then I, there's another ending, and I can't remember what it was, but actually the, the different choices and stuff were kind of cool, and if you destroyed the calculator and just set up there, well, basically the calculator was the most valuable thing. That's what had all been developed. So you just basically have this nice big bunker to house your guys in, and you didn't really you know, accomplish much, but... 
So uh, getting a good bunker in the post-apocalypse is really good real estate, I would say. Yeah, but I yeah, think there's, I mean, there's other you, bunkers. You got to put somewhere to put all your, you know, Nuka Colas, right? <laughs> right. I mean, got to get the fridge going and nice big box for all your bullets. Yeah, if it's yeah. set up for the calculator, then I would say it's set up for quite a number of other people. So you might as well make use of that place. Yeah, but they didn't get what they really came out. They could have stopped at a bunch of different bunkers along the way. True, but it, it, this is making the best of a bad situation. How's that? Okay, that's right. If you're unethical, I'm reading. Um, if you created, if you committed unethical acts during the game, the calculator outlaws discrimination against mutated species in the name of expediency. It has the. It goes and assassinates the Brotherhood's elders back in the uh, where where you started from, and uh, so everyone's equal. All the mutants, all the tribals, no one gets killed. If you were unethical. Uh, sorry, if you acted with discrimination, is still outlawed, but no harmful acts are committed. Um, so you, you, you. That's if you didn't, you know, directly kill the brain. Uh, that's, I guess, the best ending you can get. Um, if you compare the calculator with the character's brain, it means the vault's resources is fully available to the Brotherhood, increasing its power exponentially. The Midas will be restored to its former glory in, in decades, not centuries, and that character's ethics now guide the calculator's actions. Um, I think there's Barnicky. Yeah, if you give Barnicky the brain, the donor, he goes and kills everything that's not human. So, or, or you set out all the robots and everyone the the genocide against all unpure humans, all the mutes. You know, they they hunt them out and kill them. I think that's the one I'd end up choosing without really knowing what the repercussions would be. So, the poor mutants. Yeah, mutants. Uh, the zombie guys and everything. The ghouls, they call them ghouls. But uh. Oh well. If they're not smart enough to avoid complete destruction at your hands, then I guess they weren't going to last very long anyway. Yeah, true. Um, what else here? Uh, they still have the special system. The uh, though, however, intelligence isn't nearly as important. It's just a fighting game mostly. You want your 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 strength, your perception, endurance, and agility. Uh, luck was sometimes good. I think it helped with certain little things, but. Uh, a lot of the skills aren't nearly as important to only mostly the combat ones, of course. So, uh, you know, a lot of the other things. They tried to incorporate some things like sometimes lock picking to get special, you know, items or hacking and such. But for the most part, it's your combat skills that are uh, more important than as if they were in the, the Fallout 1 and 2. Is, is, that was used for survivability and figuring out, you know, plot devices and such. So, I, I would kind of expect that on a tactics game. Yeah, exactly. So it's you, you know you get your strengths, but it comes with its uh, drawbacks. So this is like I said, this is kind of the best analogy I can make is this is your Icewind Dale to your Baldur's Gate. I'll use that one. Okay, now how much did you like it? I liked it a lot actually. I I, um, I beat it and kept me, but I I really enjoy fun tactical uh, games like this. So you know, if you, I was a purist, nothing you know, do not touch my fallouts then I can see how some people didn't enjoy it as much but, I, uh, I'm not even a purist I just was bored <laughs> it's understandable I can see some do you generally um, Scott do you generally like more you know, like Icewind Dale those games that are more focused on the, just the tactical aspect of the games or was that what bored you? Like, was it a flavor? Or was there like things about the mechanics of the 
the the fighting or the characters themselves, the leveling up and stuff that just didn't touch base with you. Like I, I enjoy my tactical games, but this just felt like it was really straightforward. There wasn't a lot you could do. It was just a matter of uh, move a guy, crouch, shoot the other guy, move the other guy. Like it was that there just wasn't a lot of range of special abilities to get into mm-hmm. to mess around with. It was just like you can either stand still or you can move and then you can maybe shoot a guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had your melee guys, you had your sniper guys, you had your mid-range assault weapon guys. Um, I don't know. I, I've, it's, like, it's also been quite a bit since I've played it, but I remember it being... Did, did either of you play Silent Storm? No. I know, I'm aware of it, but no. Okay. Just curious. So, cool. One one of y'all likes it. The other one is kind of mad about it. I wouldn't say it was amazing, but it was good enough. Uh, I, I know it it was very mixed as far as uh, public reception. It, it wasn't nearly as uh, regard well regarded as the Fallout 1 and 2 are. And um, I believe, did we mention, did I, did I miss it because I had to go AFK for just a moment, uh, did, did we talk about the graphics? Wasn't the resolution pulled back a little bit more on that one? Yeah, the graphics look a lot better in this one. I don't, uh, yeah, I might have missed it if you guys already touched based on that. But I remember yeah. in my run through of it going, ah, it's like when you first play Baldur's Gate with the mod installs, like, ah, the camera's pulled back. <laughs> Yeah, you do see more of the screen. The resolution's a decent bit better. I I, I just keep, especially I mean, with Fallout One, the lower re- the fact that you don't see as much on the screen is didn't feel as as big of a hindrance to me as maybe let's say Baldur's Gate, where I'm trying to control a whole party. Yeah. Um, so with tactics, having that pulled back at a higher resolution certainly was very welcome. All right. Um, how about the sound? It's one of those where. There, there's Nothing some voice memorable. acting. Yeah, there's some voice acting at times. I do remember one of the issues I had of the game. If you played in turn-based and stuff wanted to happen in real time, uh, like people would start yelling stuff out and their dialogue wouldn't start yet, or or the dialogue would start and then you missed out the voice acting and it, it would glitch sometimes with the depending on the if you did like the turn-based battle system. So I remember being slightly irritated on a few occasions when these weird little instances of where the exploration mode kind of uh, jarred with the combat uh, mode because you could kind of walk around and free roam until a battle happened Mm. on a map so some of those things kind of uh, conflicted and made it it kind of broke immersion if if there was any to begin with but okay alright well fair enough um I would I would just throw out there's a quick quick aside uh, Silent Storm love it very much like remind me a lot of Fallout Tactics it was a natural progression for me love it it's on GOG it's still on sale I mean they actually still sell it I think I have it yeah I just haven't played it you know I mean it's it's tactical it's kind of, I don't think it ever got listed as an RPG but I swear I remember like leveling up mechanics in that but it's been like you said it's been a number of years it's uh, it was released in 2004 so it's it's almost been a decade. Um, but I think and it's the other one that everyone loves. I I know it, but I the name's slipping out the tip of my tongue. I think um, one of the cool things about it was just the destructible environment. <laughs> you like start shooting through the wall. You actually get holes in the wall. You you blow up the wall with a grenade. You could bring the whole building down. It's awesome. 
So, quick aside there. Anywho, uh, we're, what's the other game I'm thinking of? That well, I can't tell like you these. what you're thinking the 90s, of. The mid nineties. You know, I uh, you, tell you what. If it comes to you, you can bring it up on the final lap. That's what the final. I'm looking. Why well, I'm not going to be here the whole time? I'm looking real fast. I, the final lap is like. Was it know, the original XComs? It's not like that, but it's the the other one. Um, that everyone, it's like a, everyone loves it. Everyone loves it, but no one can remember it. Oh, I'll remember it, and I'll I'll kick myself when I finally do. Yeah. I I have it in my my library. Hold on, in my GOG library. Pulling it up. I'll be there. J- Jagged Alliance. It's kind of like ah. ah. So, uh, yeah, got a lot of Jagged well, Alliance I'm glad games you came too. Because I didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah, I picked the Jagged Alliance games up after the fact in some GOG sale, but I haven't actually sat down and spent time with them. So I've played Fallout Tactics a bit. Um, but many, many moons ago, so I kind of deferred to y'all's experience uh, in, in that game. Um, for a little bit I played it, I enjoyed it, but obviously it didn't capture me enough to to, to go through uh, too, too far. Um, later on when Silent Storm came out, it reminded me a lot of Fallout Tactics, and I spent a lot more time with that um, just because I, I found the you know destructible environments to be more fun. <laughs> for the big fans of Jagged Alliance, they'll probably be like, no way can you, you know, compare Fallout Tactics to Jagged Alliance, but uh, it's, Jagged Alliance is definitely the more well-regarded game than Fallout Tactics is. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I often thought Jagged Alliance and Fallout Tactics were kind of in the same boat, but I, I can't... They're very, they play similar. Yeah, I can't say that definitively because I didn't spend um, any time actually playing Jagged Alliance. Um, alrighty, uh, we're going to take a, a little bit of a break, and we're going to have a pretty quick blast from the recent past here in just a moment. do a quick uh, blast on the recent past as a part of the show we talk about uh some more of these games that came out about two years ago uh and tell you whether or not you need to go back and buy them or if you got them in your backlog whether you want to dig them out uh, and the such usually these are definitely the uh, the game i'm like hmm should i grab those i'm not super sure you know, Phil, I see one on this list that I think you have strong feelings I'm not about. sure how – how's Witcher on this list? Is it because, like, some console version came out two years ago? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I, I, I could. Oh, no, Phil. Another opportunity to talk about The Witcher. How will you ever cope? Please. Uh, no. Stop Stop sobbing all Oh, here we me. go. April 17, 2012 on the Xbox 360. There we go. I found Wait, it. I thought this was the first one. It is. It. it well, let's Let's see here. Uh, oh, that was Assassination of Kings, right? The first one. I'm not seeing a date from two years ago, so I'm not super sure how this is on the. Anyways, go play The Witcher. Is, did um, you mean? <laughs> did you mean the second one? Because I think that one did come out two years ago on PC. Second one came out May 17th, 2011, and uh, for the Xbox, came out April 17th, 2012. So we're just a tiny bit off either way. Hmm. 
either way you can't go wrong with the witchers guys you can you can hear okay, well, you can hear us talk about the on? you can hear us talk about uh witcher on episode number 36 in our archives you can find that at rpgamer.com forward slash backtrack i think or do you have no you probably have to do the whole just go to rpgamer.com click on backtrack on the left link so i, I think it has to be a direct url there um okay so let's move on to the next one on the list we have uh star wars the old republic uh, developed by bioware published by ea and LucasArts, released in north america on december 20th 2011 an mmorpg for your pc and sh- system <laughs> and it sure is an mmo it is sure is all i can tell you is i i just you know it's free to play now so everybody really if, if you just got a lot of time on your hands you have no reason not to download it and give it a shot um i played it for about maybe a dozen hours uh it it just uh i guess i'm not a big enough fan of the star wars universe uh maybe if it was star trek um anywho um i think a dozen hours is plenty actually yeah no like i i love like i bleed star wars some days and it's like no i don't No. yeah not feeling that one huh (laughs) not feeling it like you just like i literally your starter zone does a really good job of feeling like what you're doing matters and something's going on and it's actually building towards a story and then you get to Coruscant and you're just assaulted by uh, bare ass questing that you're like what huh uh, I, I guess I'm now just clearing out the sidebar with all my objectives on it <laughs> <laughs> what, what point in the old republic does this take place um a thousand years before the movies okay now I'm trying to remember. No, Knights of the Elder Hook was 5,000 years before the movie, so now we're roughly... What was happening there? I think that was about 100 years before Yoda existed, so what is there around? There's stuff. There's the same stuff every Star Wars game has. Stuff. There's some Sith, then. A whole bunch of Sith dudes, a whole bunch of excuses to stab guys, some killer robots, you know, usual. Blasters. Blasters, yep. Okay, but but you got you got thermal detonators. Oh yeah, plenty of those. You've got Bioware backing this, so no, you have Mythic and Drew Carpetian. I, I mean, doesn't That's the story exactly blow the mind? In an MMO, in an MMO, in an MMO. Because eventually you just have to cram so much content around. That's, you can't have. That's right. We can't all be story. That's right. That's exactly the my my personal feeling on MMOs. Yeah, is exactly right. I don't care how good the story is. There's just when you have to make it last 512 hours. At some point, you gotta start putting some filler in there. It can't be. It can't be 512 hours of kick-ass awesome. Um, yeah, and, and in playing my, I'm sure somebody out there is going to try and take you up on that and fail. Yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I mean, everything else I've read on on it says that you know, for an MMO, <laughs> the story is good, and that's that's a huge. That's like saying, I mean, for an ocean, it's small. Okay. If we remove that handicap, how does it fare? Well, just like any, if you're going to, that's the problem. If you're comparing it with regular RPGs, it isn't apples to apples because, you know, our other RPGs can focus on a 20 to 60 hour experience and can therefore keep the story, you know, tight and smooth. I mean, any any editor worth his weight is going to tell you that one of the biggest things that kills stories when there's too much of it. You know, editors, when they edit your stuff, that nine times out of 10, they're looking to chop it down because you just got too much crap in there and it's slowing down the plot and making it boring 
boring and look in an look, MMO nice in an MMO the how beautiful that tape is yeah yeah but in an five MMO, times in a row in, but, in an MMO your MMO your editor is saying what can we do to make this plot more fluffy <laughs> he's doing the exact opposite of what writers do in every other medium out there he's like hmm how can we make this more fluffy obviously we need to have fights on every t- transit between planets so every time you go into hyperspace somebody will pull you out of it with I don't know uh, what were those things the Imperials used in in the Timothy Zahn books to bring people out of interdictor cruisers hit. yeah um, I, I for me so you can get into extra fights that add absolutely nothing for mm-hmm. for me I mean this the the story was 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 okay I, I, again especially for an MMO it was okay I, I, I might be somewhat interested in it but the what, what drug it back for me was the game the gameplay I mean a dozen hours in and I felt like I had already been playing it for 550 hours because I felt just like wow to so I've already played 550 hours because I already played yes. that's like uh, probably not even a fraction of time I put into wow so it just felt like I was cu- you know I was just picking up with wow with different skins and stuff so that and, and full voice acting because uh, that that's what MMOs need to be more expensive <laughs> to be more expensive uh, I do appreciate myself some some voice acting in an MMO as long as it's happening while I'm pl- I would love it if they would talk to me while I'm fulfilling the kill 10 whatever quest and I'm getting bored out of my skull um, usually when I'm playing World of Warcraft I'll usually have the television on distinctly for that purpose but like you need in-game radio stations yeah That's what you yeah well what was happening with Star Wars of the Old Republic the voice acting for me and this is a totally subjective Phil thing but the voice acting for me was actually making my life difficult because every time a cutscene would happen or you know a talking scene would happen I'd have to quickly go over to my video and hit pause so I could hear what they were saying as I can't have two talky talky things going on at the same time doesn't happen in World of Warcraft a whole lot they just keep giving and, you walls of text you know, that you don't care about god, god bless the voice actors there's only so much what you can do with oh man there's some mutants in my fields go kill them <laughs> mutants in my fields it's like the mutant bunny rabbits in world of warcraft that i complain about uh that's like my number one complaints guys like i was fighting bunny rabbits at level seven now that i'm 87 i'm finding fighting mutant bunny rabbits in people's farm cornfields yeah are they are they proportionally as strong all the numbers are bigger that's that's a problem with Ooh. yeah that's just it's just number inflation is all so when you come down with number inflation and you don't actually feel like your character is more prestigious and more powerful and stuff you're just you know I'm, I'm now cycling through seven spells i guess instead of the three i had at seventh level so i guess my rotation's a little different better than that my robes look fancier i, I don't look like i'm wearing mismatched <laughs> torn jeans anymore but um aside from that i'm feeling pretty upset that i'm still in cornfield damn it i should be a general by now uh, anyways i digress um so but i know there's a lot of people who love the old republic so you know what if you guys don't agree well, it, it is still going yes that's it's still an, going that's an accomplishment for an so if you guys don't agree with scott and i you can uh do a couple of simple things to contest us you can head over to our forums and uh on the latest update section where we'll have uh we'll have a thread just for this show and you can tell us how we're wrong about star wars uh the old republic and how much you just love and adore it and here's why or you can also record an mp3 of your review keep it short keep it sweet keep it focused and you can email me an mp3 uh two to three minutes boys and girls if it's too much longer than that i just throw it out so um and and get your hey get you we'll, we'll give you a we'll give you a little stage here on on rpg backtrack to say your piece because as you can tell scott and i 
not too thrilled. All right, moving on uh, down the list here. We have Final Fantasy. Oh, and for anybody who thinks the Old Republic isn't that great, go play Knights of the Old Republic. That's a oh, yeah, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, there you go. Tight story. Absolutely. Knights of the Old Republic. All right, Final Fantasy 13 2. This was developed by Square Enix. Big surprise there. Published by Square Enix. Another earth-shaking surprise. Released on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 in North America on January 31st, 2012. A single-player RPG experience. Wait. That that was only 13 months ago. Uh, no, no. January 31st, 2012. Thinking that's two oh, years. No. Yeah. No, that we're was 13 tw- months we're ago. 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Barely. Tw- January 31st, 2012. <laughs> it's 2014. It's like 23 and a half months. By the time okay, I get so it. so we can only review the crummy initial launch version, version then. It was crummy and boring and no one liked it. So they There was another version an of 13.2? There, was there like a director's cut or something to 13.2? I, I thought we were talking about 14. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not talking about 14. 13.2. We can't talk about no, 14. We, we 14 can, is on the list. We can talk about the original crappy release. Yeah, because that's on the list. For the 360. For the three, yeah, the crappy release. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, no, you're right, though. That No, 13.2 is where it has the time travel plot, I think. And it... Because we all yeah, know. the, the gameplay stolen if, if, from SMT, yeah. We we all know that time travel is. Well, we, we know that. Square Enix is way past inventing its own battle system, so why not crib from Atlas? From from what Atlas game? Any Atlas All the game. SMTs. Oh. Like, it's you, you make friends with the monsters, and then they fight for you. Oh, 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 oh that's good, because I'm playing Strange Journey, and that's exactly what I'm doing. Yay. Hmm. Did, have you put any time into this, Scott? Uh, why Why would I do that? Because you, you love lightning. Be, because you are a masochist. Yeah. That's my explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I promised I wouldn't hurt myself anymore. Remember? There was that did, intervention. Did you, intervention! Did you, did you watch Sam while she was playing 13-1? Oh, God. I didn't even... I don't even think I managed that. I actually... See, I, I, I watched, like, a serious Let's Play. It's a stupidly long game. You probably saw some of it. I saw some of it. No, I started watching, like, a straight Let's Play of it without a lot of commentary because I was trying to do this beat analysis thing to prove that the emotional response was also a straight line. Uh, and then I got completely bored after, like, three hours of it and didn't bother. I think Spoonie just finished his Final Fantasy thirteen commentary, but whether he's going to touch thirteen two. Oh no, he is. He okay, is. he's doing okay. them all. Lucky him. That means he's going to have to tackle Lightning Returns too. So you're saying you don't have Lightning Returns on pre-order, Scott? Uh, no, <laughs> we talked about this. I'm not hurting myself anymore. <laughs> Dang it, Phil! Didn't you hear? He's trying to let the hurting stop. How can he let the hurting stop if he willingly invites a product like that in that will only hurt him? <sighs> hmm. In two ways, because it will mean that he has just sacrificed money to bring this thing into the house, and then if he actually tries to play it, it will hurt him again. See, why would I do that? Well, our v- I can just go play something I want. Play. Our very own Adrian Din Alden gave it a 3.5 out of 5, says it has great time travel mechanics, wonderful divisive sound, uh, diverse <laughs> divisive, <laughs> how did that slip in there? Wonderful diverse soundtrack, improved level design, and a great battle system, marred by a lack of challenge and a convoluted story. See, I think I think he, he committed the great sin of sequels, which is confusing the fact that it has gotten better with it has got become good. Actually, Scott, if I remember right, Adrian gave Final Fantasy XIII 1 a 4.5 out of 5. Oh, wow. Wait a minute. Right. Is there anything he doesn't give a 4 out of... No, I'm just... <laughs> 
And then Mac was the one who gave 13 a 3 out of 5 and just said that, yeah, the battles are fun. The rest is not that is not that great. And coming from Mac, who is a Final Fantasy fanatic, that means a lot. You know, a common complaint I hear about the two games that I, I've, I, in reading a lot of the reviews and the such, um, is that the story, and I mean, even Adrian says it in his review there, the stories are, are hard to follow. It's convoluted. Um, just the, between the two games. Just Proper nouns, shotgun blasted to the face that never get explained. Right, right. So, um, I hear that in preparation for lightning returns there is square enix has done basically a final fantasy 6-esque uh 16 32-bit graphic whatever it was 16-bit graphic reenactment that explains the story <laughs> so far because you know the games didn't quite do a great is job that, of that is that an official product or is it a fan product no it's official it is made by square enix <laughs> i'm gonna find it uh i kid you not uh final fantasy oh let's do lightning i would Return. love to hear the defense from this for this from some square enix fanatic who happens to listen to this and just ha- has to chime in with why this is undeniably a good thing that square enix is still at the top of its form as the best rpg developer in here, the here world. we go. Um, it's a, please, it's an eight minute video. I'm cutting that in. If we could put that in the show notes, Mike, that'd be awesome. Um, and uh, I'm pretty. I can't. I have not found a confirmation yet that it was done by Square Enix and not by its fans. It says uh, the the person who posted Square Enix members North America. So I, I don't know if that's an official Square Enix channel or not. I think it is, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Is it on cell phones? That's a clue that it's a real Square Enix product. Is it on cell phones? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, did you pay too much to watch to watch it on cell Oops. phones? That's the real. Key. Yeah, I got some music there on the on the recording there. Excuse that. Uh, maybe i'll use that for a transition but if you take a look uh, yeah it is i believe it's from square edix because it's got their whole advertisement afterwards and the whole nine yards and links to their site and stuff so um but uh, uh yeah go and check out the video we'll put the link in the show notes uh, on our forums um moving on uh fi- <laughs> final fantasy <laughs> yeah we'll mention final fantasy 14 the bad version uh that was uh, published and developed by square enix uh released um for windows pcs on september 22nd 2010 then later on Xbox 360s um, a bit later. That sucked. But they re-released his Realm Reborn. Long story short, everyone, uh, all the staff who plays it loves it. Those of us who don't have time Let's don't see. play it. <laughs> it's been about three and a half years since the horrible first version came out and with non-stop Square Enix attention and millions of dollars expended to make it better, I would hope that it would become better. Yeah, well, and better being actually somewhat good. Um, I mean, pretty much people who get into it, my friends who've gotten into it, they, they haven't quit their subscriptions yet and it's it's been a while now. Uh, they're continuing to play it. So, yeah, it's not that it's just better because it's like saying that it's better than a turd uh but um it it actually is doing pretty good and it's it's actually returning them some money i don't know if they've recouped all their costs yet i'm sure that'll take some time you're reminding me of how the nerd described ghostbusters 2 so obviously it's a huge huge improvement on the first game but that's not saying much It's like saying that the crap I took last night is better than the crap I took this morning. Uh, I'm censoring myself a bit, but you, you know the nerd if you've seen his ghost episodes. And uh, and and some of the people are enjoying playing it on consoles even. MMO on consoles, go figure. Yeah, when did it come out on PS3? I don't know. Uh, I could look, but then I'd know. Yeah, yeah, we could. But we're not, because we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and wrap this up with the final lap.
We're back. We're wrapping this up with the final lap. This is the part show. We read your comments, questions. We talk about whatever's on our mind. We talk about what's on the side. It's the kitchen sink. It's everything. And we'll start off by, you know, I am so happy, Mike. I, I'm like bouncing off the walls. I, I, I'm ready to retire now from the RPG bag check because my mission is done. Yes, it is. On our forum comments, we have a, a forum comment, which um, I think I've accidentally closed. Oh, nope, there it is. And it's from Von Beardley, and he says, I know this has nothing to do with the latest backtrack, but I just want to let you know, Phil, that after 12 years, I finally got around to beating Wizardry 8. It was a very fun experience. Yes, if I have got one listener to go and play Wizardry 8, I have done my job. I'm done. Thank you, Von Beardley. You have totally justified my existence on this show. It's an awesome game. And you know, it does have to do with that backtrack because Wizardry 8 is so awesome. It has to do with every backtrack. Go play it today. Yay, Wizardry 8. <sighs> Anyhow, um, uh, let's see. Mike, Mike had to step away for a little bit while I'm having my self-celebration pat on the back over here. That's a shame. Our next show is RPG Backtrack number 112, as we mentioned before. Uh, no, I don't think we mentioned it yet. I think we did it off the air. We're going to be talking uh, about some more tactical stuff, but a little bit of a different flavor. We're going to be talking about Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen and Ogre Battle 64. So uh, I believe uh, believe we're going to have some fun talking about those two. A couple of games that I personally enjoy myself. So we look forward to that. And and well, let's see here. Let's talk about what's on the site lately. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's been a kind of a little bit of a rush of retro style RPGs uh, that just kind of f- hit the PC market all at once. Uh, you got the the Banner Saga, which is kind of like a Viking saga where you get to do a lot of strategic combat, kind of Oregon Trail type of thing. Uh, I'm not sure if it, um, you know, how much RPG mechanics it has. I haven't played it yet, but uh, some of our staff members have been diving into it and have been enjoying it for the most part. Then there is uh, Black Arts. We got a full review for that up on our site. Another uh, tactical style RPG. Uh, <laughs> That's what you gotta call it. It just sounds better. Mm. Well, um, you know, Dedelic Studios, Entertainment, whatever. Boy, they're just just pumping things out lately. Um, So you want to go and check out that review, though. Get the full skinny from an RPG perspective. And I will point out, I think in looking over different reviews for this game, I think one thing you'll appreciate about the RPG gamer perspective is is we force our staff to play through the whole game before they write the review. (laughs) And a lot of people, I think, posted their review after playing like, you know, half a dozen. Well, no, no, that's being mean. But just playing a couple dozen hours, maybe. So check out the full review by Alex Fuller. And last but not least, another retro-style RPG that just hit Steam is Might and Magic 10 Legacy. Um... And, uh, you know, we talked about Might and Magic. We had a show about that not too long ago, about that whole series. Um, from what I have seen so far, got some people that are somewhat enjoying that, but it is tough as nails. Um, reviews are a bit mixed, but not quite as dastardly as Might Magic 9 was. <laughs> so a, f- a few bugs in there and a few a few things that irritate some people the wrong way, but uh, but definitely um, definitely not the not not the disaster that, that Might and Magic 9 was. You want to, you probably want to check on reviews. I think we got somebody working on that at rpgamer.com remember we finished the whole game before we post it i believe um glenn's working on that one so keep uh keep your eye on the site we've got uh we've also got 
a review for Atelier Marie, The Alchemist of Salberg, an import retro view by Mr. Michael Baker. We also got some news about uh, the Fable Anniversary Edition. And uh, speaking of new retro games that have come out, I would be remiss if I did not mention a review by our very own Mr. Mike Jumason Minky, Bravely Default Flying Fairy. That review is up. That's a new, old, I say old because it's... Uh, it's so new that you can't buy it in North America yet. You have to wait until Friday. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's that new, and yet when I play the demo, it felt like Final Fantasy IV just with the extra twist into combat. Wait, I believe you mean five. Oh, five. Yes, five. So uh, I remember four very well. It had no job no system. No job system. That's fair enough. So uh, I enjoyed the demo, and uh, looking at Mr. Miku's review, it looks like a few things he enjoyed about the game itself. So you want to check that out. We're not even going to give you any more than that. We're going to tell you to go to the website and look for our Bravely Default Flying Fair review by our very own Mr. Mike Minky. That wraps yeah, you, I, I, I attribute the relative lack of comments on a new Square Enix RPG that is not on cell phones because, to the fact that you can't buy it in North America. There you go. Though, though the European audience can buy it. That's when I did some uh, online functionality. Not much, but I noticed that all of the friend requests I was getting from mostly France of all places. You're saying the French can't play games? I'm saying that there were more Bravely Default players in France than anywhere else I noticed. Anything else you want to read into it? Go right ahead. France is ripe for pretty much any kind of social commentary you want to read into this. So, so you mentioned Final Fantasy uh, numerous times in this uh, review here. This is we're off. So we're we're done. We're, we're moving on to the kitchen sink thing. One sometimes we get a little off tangent here. One get a little off tangent here. Mike, what, what do you think? Uh, you've mentioned Final Fantasy a number of times here. When I'm playing the demo, I couldn't help but think of Final Fantasy. I mean, the only thing I was missing was Chocobos, and those probably come up in the game. <laughs> don't, don't. Do chocobos Actually, ever no. come up? No. But you do you do get on an airship fairly early. It quickly gets relegated to being uh, only navigable by sea, but you'll fix that soon enough. So you've got an airship. You've got Phoenix Downs. All of the spells use the Final Fantasy names. So do you, can, can you, and I know it's pure speculation, but can you can you come up with any reason why they just wouldn't have called this Final Fantasy The Four Hero of Lights 2, other than the fact that title's a little too long? Um, Final Fantasy 5-2, since we're into putting dashes and going with that. I mean, can you think of any reason why they would just go with a totally different name, even though they're using very much most of those traditional mechanics that we associate with Final Fantasy 5 and Final Fantasy Tactics? The explanation I've heard is that once it expanded enough to feel like far more than Four Heroes of Light, it it was decided that let's just call it something different. And my own thought on this is if you call it Final Fantasy, then you bring a whole lot of baggage in there. And if you call it Bravely Default, then everybody starts thinking about goofy financial terminology instead of Final Fantasy, which may in fact lead a few very confused auditors and tax accountants out there to buy it and be completely baffled, I'm sure. But... Just... No, I think you just didn't pick up on the very, very subtle uh, jabs at the Japanese housing market. You know, you're absolutely right, Scott. <laughs> uh, because I am not well-versed in that subject, the references in there have to be pretty blatant for them to reach me. And I mean, clearly the uh, writers it, The satire not is very tight, very small, very dry, but it's in there, I'm sure. Do you... I know there is an in-depth critique of what Shinzo Abe is doing in Japan right now. I'm sure there is a veiled reference to the Yasukuni shrine visitations that he made recently. Damn it, I just didn't see it. And it's because I don't live there, and it's because it was translated at least once, so whatever thinly veiled reference in Japanese there was has now been obfuscated by being put into English. I'm sorry, I'm just not a very good cultural 
reporter like this. Do you have a hypothesis, Scott? No, I got nothing. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Um, <laughs> alrighty, so uh, Kitchen Sink, what do you guys want to talk about? What's on your mind? What are you playing? What do you want to pimp, Mr. Uh, Mr. Scott? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm not really playing much right now. Um, I seem to remember I've, you I've put out working. a review not long ago, though. Did I? Oh I yeah, that, oh yeah, that was that was a tabletop game review. Um, I don't know. It, it it's always hard to review things where you go, oh man, where your first reaction is, oh man, I want to hack this for another game so bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I. That's kind of I did the Savage World thing uh, at the uh, con, and uh, once I got into it, and I ran through some demos. I'm like, oh wow, there's so many different ways I can mod this to play. The first thing I did, I had like a, a couple of spare hours in between uh, slots, so. I quickly whipped up a Star Trek scenario, you know, with it type of thing. And I even gave the characters ranks and stuff that sounded Star Trek-y because the system is so, you know, basic. It's easy to fart around with. So I know the feeling. I've got a default. I've got a D4 in geology and a D4 in grab ball. There you go. All set to go. Rocks for jocks. Rocks for jocks. Shoot. Um, so nothing? Nothing that we want to pimp or talk about or anything? Oh, I guess I guess I'll talk about this now. Um, more tabletop developments. I'm playtesting Feng Shui 2. Which is awesome. So what is it? Never heard of it. Uh, it it's, it's a Hong Kong action movie role-playing game. Ah, well, that sounds interesting. So I, have, so I have shot me some cyborg monkeys. The it's the first time I've heard Feng Shui since I watched Larry Crown, and that was two and a half years ago. <laughs> Go play Sleeping Dogs. You you have to sabotage a rival gangster's house based on uh, furniture. Ah, okay, that sounds exciting. Hmm. So right right now it's still pretty rough. We're trying to tighten it up and really make it actually run smooth and fast, like we thought, like people said it did in the '90s. Um, I'm still I'm campaigning to remove all the subtraction rules from the game, and we'll come up with a new toughness system for NPCs. But <laughs> that's that's what I'm working. That that's the thing that's going on. Feng Shui is amazing. Okay, Feng Shui. Way. Um, two. We, we don't have subtitle pending. Are you talking about that um, in more detail on your podcast? Not really. No. No. Okay. No. Figure it out. Do you? Are you still doing your podcast? Yeah, it's still going. Yeah. Where can Where can our listeners find out about your podcast and what do you talk about on it? Uh, it's uh, the podcast is called "I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside." You can find it at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. It is a biweekly show where I get my friends together, we get mildly drunk, and then we talk about a thing in pop culture. That's uh, you know that sounds like my kind of party. Uh, well, except uh, just the drinking part, not necessarily the pop culture, because as you can tell, I know nothing about stars. Um, cool. No, no, just just like just like a movie or stuff. Movies are cool. Hmm. So, uh, what about you, Mister Minky? Well. I'm going to be playing Victim of Zen very soon. It is an indie game that our own Sam Marcello was offered by somebody who found out about her via the net, and she didn't have time to play it, so she offered it to anybody on the staff who wanted to deal with it, and I volunteered, and it's supposed to be a very short game, so I should be able to knock it out quickly. But to my own pleasant surprise, I've kind of gotten absorbed in A Link Between Worlds in the last few days, mm. which is... Almost structurally, almost an exact copy of A Link to the Past, but you know, that's actually a very good thing because the puzzles are not identical, and it's fun exploring the world and finding all the things. Mostly by myself, I occasionally do use game facts just because I'm much more impatient than I was back when I played Link to the Past. Amen. Plus, I plus I played it long enough ago that game facts wasn't yet a thing. 
you had to you had to pay for a subscription to Nintendo Thank you. Power, or you had to beg your neighbor, "Hey, bud, can I just borrow that one? That one with the picture of Link on the front? That's the one I need, damn it! Come on, just come on, man. I'll let you borrow come my on. copy of Bad Dudes. Come on. All right. Anyway, you were saying. I'm sorry, Mike. So, in short, it's a really good game, and if you do remember A Link to the Past well, you should definitely play it, because the map is almost identical, and that's actually a good thing. Um, let's see here. Just to see what happens, I have played a little further in the bane of my recent existence, Agarest. Oh, jeez. Uh... Yeah, I, I have absolutely nothing new to say about it, I think. Look, there's a guy, and his granddaughter is in the party, and due to the the stupid plot mechanics of this, I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to try to make excuses, his granddaughter looks, I don't know, maybe 10 years younger than he is, and now he's trying to foist his granddaughter off on the fifth-generation hero and the... But don't worry about inc- things like that. You still get to kill lots of stupid, random enemies that you will have already fought before, and... No, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm not going to trash this game anymore right now. I've done it enough. Someday we will do an Idea Factory episode where more people will get to come along and slam this company for all it's worth. Every, all have- everyone just break, you know, beat up on Agarest War Day. Everyone bring your own stick. <laughs> bring your own stick. I won't even say Agarest exclusively. Idea Factory has done other things. What is it? Spectral Souls? Didn't that suck ass too? That's what I heard. So yeah, yeah slam look that at company for list all it's worth. See what happens. Nah. Spectral Force. Because I have an item. I have Blazing a Souls. That was terrible. In this game, it's Blazing that's what I heard. Blazing Souls Axolate, oh. wasn't it? Oh, they did They did Trinity Universe. That was oh, terrible. Oh, ouch. Oh, wow. That means Phil can join oh, in the slamming. Oh, ouch. Not that one. No. Oh, sweet Fuse. I, oh. I think that one was crud. Wow. Wait, did, did Idea Factory do Chaos Wars? Ah, uh, yes. They did. <laughs> goody, goody gumdrops. See, there's so much garbage that comes out of this company. Someday it will get its day in whatever the opposite of the sun is, and that wouldn't be the moon. I don't know what the hell it is. The bizarre well, the world sun, sun don't that shine is what it is. Yeah. That works. Thank you. Yes, uh, this company has accumulated such a store of ill will from everyone who has experienced what it does that I think it will deserve and more. All the ill will we have accumulated being thrown right back in its face. I, I think you need to let that bio build up just long enough that uh, we can also talk about Monster Mon Piece. How recent is that? Uh, that that came out just recently in um, Japan, and it's a Vita game where you collect cute girls who are monsters, and you have to rub the Vita touch screen to rub the girls Ooh. to power them up. Yeah, that reminding me of Valhalla Knights Three. <laughs> yeah, just just look at the wonderful library of Idea Factory and, and wonder to yourself, how is this company still in business? How many stupid people are there who keep buying this garbage? And then don't ask, don't actually answer it because it will sadden me regardless of what your answer is. <sighs> okay, and I'll mention a few movies here. Uh, you know, that's what speaking I do. of uh, Von Halle Nights Three, Mister App's review is up for you to read, and and you know you're never gonna want to play the game, but reading the review and reading how Apps was tortured through the game is worth it. You got to go check it out it's on the site. <laughs> yeah, he he suffered, so you don't have to. And that's not even an Idea Factory game. Okay, uh, I want to give a shout-out to what? No Beer? Which is a 1933 Buster Keaton and Jimmy Durante movie, which is a 
actually quite funny. I enjoyed it. It was the last Buster Keaton movie he made for MGM before Louis B. Meyer apparently hated him, hated his guts and refused to renew his contract. And whatever problems he had with earlier stuff, working through the sound kinks, they're gone. It's nice and tight. It's surprisingly complicated plot-wise for a 65-minute comedy, but it's funny. That's really all you need to know. Buster could cram a lot of story into a few minutes. He could. And really, when you've got Jimmy Durante doing the dialogue, Buster doesn't have to say a whole lot. He just has to stand there and look silly. And occasionally let loose with some physical comedy. He could do that with the best of them. I saw 12 Years a Slave, and I didn't like it as much as I expected to, but it's one of those where I admire everything that went into it. And if it gets lots of awards at the Oscars in a few weeks, more power to it because it's extremely well done. Chitowel Ejiofor deserves Best Actor if he gets it. Although I would like to see Leo DiCaprio get it from Wall Street because that movie was freaking hilarious. No, and no, he hasn't accumulated enough Oscar debt quite yet. If he gets it, I will perfectly have. But it is classified as a comedy, which we know means it's not likely to get any categories. Because comedies are inherently inferior dramas. It's not like they're harder, no. Not at all. Uh, yeah, 12 Years a Slave, go see it. I just can't give it my fullest recommendation when it when I was nodding off for a bit there. <laughs> can can we honestly just declare that speaking of the Oscars, can we just declare that the uh, ten movies for Beck's P- Picture Experiment a complete failure? Because now it's just twice as many art. It's just twice as many art every year. I, I don't even know why they upped it to ten. Yeah, I think I think their plan to get some mainstream stream attention failed horribly. I think it's just more of the same stuff that gets nominated for Oscars. <laughs> I don't even complain about that. I just complain when undeserving crap gets nominated, like extremely loud, incredibly close. Why the hell did that get nominated? I hated that. I wasn't alone, so it's not just me. Damn, you suck. This year, hell, I've only seen half the nominees, so I don't feel like complaining too much. Because the ones I did see were pretty much deserving. Gravity, if you've seen it, then yeah, it's extremely well done. It'll probably well, it's finally something. a movie that capitalizes on uh, Curon's inability to transition a scene without something flying past. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> every time in Harry Potter. Every time. That's true. It's too funny. Even I know that. Dang it, Scott. Now, now I'm going to dig out the, Az- the Azkaban DVD, look at it, and I'm going to see that. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I'm never going to stop. Every time. Just, just take a drink. Every time. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's a good thing I only have light liquor around. Take a uh, drink every time you'll be drunk. How about Sleepless in Seattle? Oh, boy, I know everybody knows about that. Everyone loves Meg Ryan. Everyone. Actually, she was cuter then than she was with her stupid not- late 90s haircut. The one that Titus would copy. Boy, Spooning was right on with that. Uh, I don't know. Sleepless in Seattle. Roger Ebert had that lovely phrase, the semi-obligatory lyrical interlude, and Sleepless is full of those freaking things. Why have your characters talk to each other when we can play a song? It'll sell soundtracks. And I'm sure it did, because Sleepless in Seattle sold millions of tickets, and I'm sure it sold millions of soundtracks back in the days when everybody bought the freaking soundtrack. I speak because well, yeah. my aunt had the Pretty Woman soundtrack, and I have no idea why, other than Roxette had that It Used to Be Love number. Roy Orbison, man. Roy Orbison. Roy Orbison. Yeah, he was already dead then. Too bad. Anyway, Sleepless in Seattle, it's it's okay. If you like movies in which people who are supposed to be together don't actually talk until the end of the movie. Yeah. And, oh yes, a couple of legendarily bad. I'm sure you're familiar with Skidoo, right, Scott? 
you do, uh, think? It's the movie Otto Preminger made in 68 after he had some LSD and figured this is such a monumental experience. I need to create a movie that will share it with, with everyone. Jackie Gleason is Jack in it, right? Yeah. Married to Carol Channing. Why not? And you, and you get to see Carol Channing romance Frankie Avalon. And you get to see Peter Lawford and Burgess Meredith and Richard Keel stoned off their asses in Alcatraz. And you get to hear Harry Nielsen sing all of the credits of the movie at the end. And you get to hear Carol Channing sing the title song while she's dressed like George Washington as she's gra- boarding the yacht on which Groucho Marx is staying somewhere offshore with her hippie friends who have apparently taken a whole bunch of tiny little sailing vessels hundreds of miles across the Pacific and have and are also boarding Groucho Marx's yacht. Oh, and Groucho Marx is playing a character named God. Groucho Marx is God. Don't you know That's that? That's true. But in this movie, I just wish he had been playing God in a better movie. He deserved it. He was 78, and he dyed his hair and mustache to look like his younger self, and you can tell. And, uh, oh yeah, you get to see Slim Pickens stoned off his ass trying to be the switchboard operator at Alcatraz while March, Groucho Marx, as God, is calling the place. Mm-hmm. And if you see the humor there, then good for you, because I missed it. Uh, Cesar Romero is in the movie! Lucky you! Uh, women having full-body paintings done is in the movie, because we need a preservation of hippie culture, right? And really, it's one of those movies where you really should see it because even my words cannot do it justice. It is so unlike anything else you will ever see. Not necessarily in a good way, but you will remember seeing Skidoo. I guarantee it. Especially when Jackie Gleason gets stoned in Alcatraz and starts seeing mathematics above him, created by bullet holes. And for another legendary flop, how about Trog? Just Trog, no door. Right. Why would we say the full word troglodyte? That's far too much effort. Let's have a guy who is clearly wearing a decent mask, but just a mask and some fur around his neck that stretches kind of around his abdomen, and he's clearly just a white guy everywhere else, be Trog. And let's have Joan Crawford try to teach Trog by holding up colors in two-dimensional paper circles and telling him, this is red, Trog. Red. This is green. No, Trog. No! When Trog tries to eat the green square circle, whatever. Or trying to have Trog play fetch in the yard, only to have him kill a neighboring dog that get, tries to get in on the action. Poor Trog. <laughs> a misunderstood Troglodyte. From ten million years ago, apparently frozen somewhere, found by some amateur spelunkers, and then he gets an operation to let him speak, but he doesn't really speak. Instead, he has a flashback to somebody else's movie of stop-motion dinosaurs for five minutes, after which Michael Gao shows up to scream about how this thing is evil and must be destroyed because God clearly created man in his own image and this thing does not belong. Hey, if it wasn't on the Ark, it doesn't get to live anymore. Well, uh, that That's the rules. Well, Trog apparently felt the same way, and because Michael Gow wasn't on the Ark, after being let loose, Trog kills him. Too bad. Okay. And then you get to see the sight of Joan Crawford trying to bargain with Trog, who has taken a little girl down into his cave. Trog, give her to me. Give me the girl, Trog. While wearing her gray pantsuit, which of course you would wear if you were spelunking, because apparently the wardrobe was so non-existent for a budget that she had to supply her own wardrobe, and she had nothing else more appropriate for spelunking. I'm not a big fan of Joan Crawford. She deserved better for her last film. And Michael Gow deserved to be not on the amphetamines or whatever uppers he was on, because he screams the whole movie. Well, there's a trog right there. It's exciting. <laughs> Exactly! Now just keep going at top volume and you've got his performance. Until you until you have to make a death scream as Trog kills you. Uh, 
one more. The Steve Martin Father of the Bride. It's decent. I actually think it's better than the Spencer Tracy Father of the Bride. Well, that's because I Steve Martin movie. for you. Yeah, I, I like Steve Martin for comedy better than Spencer Tracy. Although no Martin fake. Short's, uh, whatever his wedding coordinator thing is, it's just offensive now. Or maybe not offensive, but it's not funny, and that's the thing. Steve Martin, he's a funny guy if you give him a chance. So, yeah, don't, just don't keep your expectations low if you want to see a father of the bride and go for the new one, which is actually superior to the original and justifies the remake philosophy for 1991, not for any other year. So speaking of that, the time machine, the original is far superior to the remake. Mm -hmm. Only see the remake if you really want to have a climax that makes absolutely no sense unless you tear your brain out thinking about it. Okay, I'm done. Well, me, I'm still still knee-deep in a couple of games that I've been playing for. I, I, I forget. I, I One day I'm going to actually start writing down when I start some of these games. I'm still working my way through. How long have you been playing Strange Journey? Still playing Strange Journey. It says I'm like 55 hours in now. I thought Fox Trot or whatever was no, the last one. Nope, not even close. Now I'm in some dungeon. It begins with letter H. It just keeps going up the alphabet. Lord only knows my luck. The last one will start with a Z. I'll have to go through the entire 26 letters to, to get to the end of this game i uh, fox maybe maybe it's using the cyrillic alphabet and there are even more letters yeah fox foxtrot or foxtrot or whatever the, the dungeon is begin with the letter f um it had a like a trio uh, well there's the trio of bosses inside the dungeon but then towards the end before you hit that last boss you have to go out and fight in another dungeon and i can you know i can spoil it i suppose but you have to go out and fight this other human guy named jack who's part of another team and he can he's got a couple of demons at his side and his battle was really a pain in the a pain in the ass i actually after dying like three or four times i'm like okay like you said mike back when i was young i had all the time in the world to kill no problem now i'm gonna pull out my cell phone and i'm gonna look it up on game facts and they said to use charm normally you don't think to use charm against big bosses because you know that never never works, works right so i charm not even s not even an smt so, where status effects work so i tried i tried i tried i tried and charm charmed and it worked so i died like one or two more times then there was something saying about well get get your get demons that have the reflect quality of which the only one i had in my massive library was doppelganger so i had to whip up a, a doppelganger bring him in and and so what was really funny was um that was the only one i had to reflect my hero had resistance to the guy's attacks but um you know what, what made him a pain in the ass was every time you wear him down to heal himself for for the full amount so um it, it was really becoming Aww. yeah you gotta love those but that, that just adds challenge Phil, if he heals himself for the full amount every time, then you need to find a way to kill him in one turn. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so here's what's really funny. Charm didn't work, but one of my one of the demons I had on my team have um, fear with their physical attack. And the fear took hold on the first round, and the guy was down by round three because he wasn't healing his ass. So that was I, I was so surprised how few hit points he had. You know, once he wasn't healing himself, he went down pretty quick. So uh, who knows? And then the two other bosses after that were a little tough, and I think I might have FAQ'd one of them again. And and that was like a oh duh, why didn't I just try that myself? But going through all the elements with every single boss when, when there's three bosses in a row, it, it's irritating because with any boss, I'm going through all the elements I can to figure out what is weakness 
weaknesses are, what their weaknesses are, and try to figure out what their attack and healing pattern are. Now I'm going to reset uh, because now I know what kind of team I need to put together, and I'm going to go attack the boss. So by the time you've done that, like third time, third time in the same hour, and it's like, oh come on, really? Okay, where's the FAQ? Here it is. Oh, that's what he's weak to. Isn't that cute? So um, yeah, yeah, uh, kind of proud of myself though for getting through at least one of them without resorting to the fact. And the, the Jack, I actually just beat on pure luck. Uh, the FAQ actually didn't help me beat Jack. Um, so that was hilarious. In fact, uh, yeah, the doppelganger did not reflect one single attack. He never got hit. Um, so that whole reflect theory just went out the window. He just got lucky with the fear attack and Jack didn't heal himself. Woo-hoo! Yeah, so now I'm on another weird ass, you know, long, uh, long dungeon, but uh, I'm enjoying it, building my little stable of demons and creating more demons. And, and I think it's really cool. I, I don't remember this in other Shin Megami games. Not that I played a whole bunch or ton of them, but I like the fact that in this one, you can go back into your library of any demons you've had in your party in the past and you can remake them for a crap load of gold, uh, money, whatever. But that comes in handy against certain bosses when you're fighting a boss with, you know, who's only weak to ice and you realize that you have like no demons with ice on your team, you know, in your in your immediate library of 10 to 12. Um, you can go back and say, oh, but I had a I had a Jack Frost. I, I you know, I had him on my team. I had formed him into something else. Now I can go back and quickly make another Jack Frost. Um, if you want to get a little cheaty, you can actually just look up codes online because you can also type in codes. Theoretically, it's supposed to be codes from your friends where they're showing you, hey, look, I've got this level 57 Jack Frost and it'll produce a code that you give to your friend or that your friend gives to you. You pop it in and you can buy that level 57 Jack Frost for half your life savings. Um, so that just means you can go on the internet and any particular demon that you need. If for some reason you don't have it in your vast library, um, you can you can probably find it online. I I I have I did that like thing for the first boss or something when I'm still trying to figure out the game. Now I've got good, my own good library of of demons and stuff, so I do pretty okay so far. Um, but definitely you have to fight the boss once or twice, figure out what their attacks are, and then and then recruit or make some demons or something that'll be good against them. Anywho, uh, but I am liking the expression. Dungeons are just huge in that game, and I and I like like that. Um, so, I hear- do you know yet whether you have reached the massive, massive dungeon I, our own Glenn Wilson described? I as- guess not. I, I, I should back it and just... It's supposed to be about the whole second half of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's what's got me worried because I'm like 55 hours in and I still haven't hit... Unless I'm just entering it now, I haven't hit the massive dungeon of Kick-Ass that yeah that I've heard so much about. So that and this is the game that I play on the the the, the treadmill. I have perfected the fine art of walking uphill about two, you know on a 15% grade at about two and a half miles an hour or so, which does get my heart rate nice and high and still be able to play at the same time. So very important, burning calories while I'm burning through demons. Ha ha. Uh, let's see here. And saving as often as possible so that no unlucky fluke makes short work of your hard-earned hours. Uh, it looks like I'm at the next to last. Dun- it looks like the dungeon of Kick Ass is starts with an H, and I'm on the G dungeon. Gruz. Uh, I just got through four and X. Gruz looks kind of short just based on the fact that I've only got one, two, three, four, five maps. And then there's the H dungeon, which has oh ten maps. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Or you know, maybe there's just more there to me. See, oh, a map full of one-way direction. Oh, those are so much fun. I just love. I can't tell you how much I adore. I just love it when I go into a dungeon and it's all dark, and I just got to keep walking around to every wall. Press. It reminds me so much of the Dark Spire 
pain in the ass. You game designer, stop doing that. No one thinks that's fun. No one. Bill, don't bring back those memories. <laughs> Who comes up with this crap? I'm, I'm going to do that to my players during Pathfinder night. I'm going to be like, hey guys, you're in a dungeon. It's completely dark. Even your dark vision doesn't work. You just got to feel along the walls. What about this one? Nope. Keep walking. What about this one? Nope. What about this one? Nope. Oh, something's attacking you. Can I see it? Nope. <laughs> well, it lets you see the monsters. That's the funny thing. You can see the monsters when you're battling them. You just can't see blasted crap inside of the hallways. You just have to keep, you know, every five foot step, you got to keep looking left and right and keep trying to see if you can go north, south, east, west. It's, it's, I, I don't know who thought that was an awesome mechanic. They need to be shot. Um, let's see. I'm also uh, very close to finishing Discaea 4. It, it's so funny because they're like, this is really the last chapter. No, this is it. Really? Really? This is the, the game is so. We're going to let our cash cow franchise lie right here. Yeah, they're, they're just so hilarious. Guided Fate Paradox. That's where we're going from now on. I, More of that. I, all of that all the time. I just, I think, I think four feels a lot longer what, than what is, what is NIS's three. next project? Oh, yes. The, the Witch and the Hundred Knight. Um, Isn't that it? Yeah. Hey, Discaea 4. Long. It, it, Discaea 4 is long. It feels like Discaea 3 with one or two of the expansions whipped into it. Because I'm like level 90 and I'm having to, I'm, I'm still having to power up my demons, go into item world. I'm having to reincarnate most of them now for the second time. But this is Discaea, Phil, where you can go to level 9,999, well, Typically right? to get through the story modes in earlier Discaeas, I'd have to get to 60, maybe 80 at the most. Discaea 3, I distinctly remember clearing that one under level 80 um, before I start diving into the expansions but or the DLC dealies. But in this one, I'm well past 90 and the things are still too tough. So I'm having to go back and level up more items and reincarnate uh, to get my stats up. So that means you start over again at level 1, but you got higher base stats, and the way Discaea works is every time you level up, you get a percentage, uh, I think it's 50% of your base stats um, with each level up. So multiply that by 90 levels, <laughs> and that uh, that improvement uh, can be significant. So uh, we've t- I've talked about that in detail before, but uh, anyways, that's what I'm having to do um, to try to get, uh, to make them a little more resilient because that second or third map in the, in the quote-unquote last, really, it is the last chapter map, uh, just totally kicked my party's team. They got wizards and archers all at a distance um, attacking you at once. It's cute. So it's... Anywho, uh, but still a funny game. I just, I, I enjoy the humor. I enjoy the writing. Um, it's enough to carry me through some of the grindy grindy that's going through, but it definitely feels more grindy grindy than, than gosh, any of them. One, two, or three. Uh... Did, did we mention the review of Black Guards that went up today? Yes, you missed it. Okay. You were out yeah. playing Hopscotch. Exactly. I knew it. I, I know you now. Uh, We've been doing this so long. I I used chalk to create a hopscotch outline outside, and I did that so quickly that I was actually back in less than five minutes because I was can't believe. Nope. So there you go. And we're starting on book three of the Reign of Winter Adventure Path in our Pathfinder group. Haha. I uh, they got Baba Yaga's hut, uh, which allows them to teleport to faraway lands and distant planes of existence. So that just invites me to create all kinds of weird stuff that isn't in the Adventure Path. Um, so the first place they got to visit was Heaven, because one of the party members is a very zealous cleric. So he got to meet his deity face to face. All hail I am O'Day is what say. It's really fun. You guys haven't done some pen and paper RP gaming lately. You need to. It's really the real way to roleplay. It's hilarious. Okay. Now I'm going to get a lot of comments. It's not the real way. Yeah, okay. That was probably... In Pathfinder, that's no role-playing game. Oh, that's all... That's... That, I, we had, in a three-hour... We, we do, like, three-hour sessions or so, but we only had, like, one fight and only went for two rounds. 
because it's more of a test than a fight. So once the conditions were met, it was over. So yeah, a lot of role playing. Um, okay, backed up by some role playing for skill checks. Ha ha. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, that's. I think that's all we got for tonight. Um, RP Gamer is a production. RP Gamer is a production of RP Gamer. There we go. It is late. Wow. I'm not even drinking tonight. That's the sad part. <sighs> Let's try. Exxon is a product of Exxon. There you go. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your question and comments on our boards or email jcservantrpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpgamer. Become our biggest fans at facebook.com forward slash rpgamer. And as always, you can listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, the RPG cast at rpgamer.com. Um, also, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's RP, it's oh, there I go with that rpgamer again. It's twitter.com forward slash jcservant. I've been doing getting back in my drive. I just finished up a short story I wrote. Um, might be doing some more of those short stories with illustration deals in my spare time that I'm not playing Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey on the workout machine. Anywho, um, on behalf of Mike, Mr. Scott, and that other guy who was here briefly, he had a name. What was his name, Mike? John. John. Yes, John. We thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you're the reason we're doing this. Do us a favor, rate us on iTunes, or better yet, go play Wizardry 8. We'd appreciate that. Um, <laughs> we would appreciate that, or... We. Uh, we would all appreciate it. If everyone would go out there and play Wizardry 8. It's so awesome. What's that? I'm trying to find out who published that. And Steam is loading the information right now, uh, except it's not loading the right information. Thank you for they're, nothing, Steam. They're not even around anymore. Uh, Sir Tech uh, was the ones who... That was the, It was like their swan song. The IP got passed on to, I think, Atlas or one of the other companies, but uh, it was Sir Tech's last uh, game that they made. And it was it, they went out with an absolute bang most of the time like might Ma- magic nine was like one of the worst ones so yeah before that company went out no wizardry eight awesome go play it sir tech love you guys anywho yeah so write us read us listen to us and all that other fun stuff and we'll see you on the forums mr mike put us to bed see i was full of Okay, Jar Jar Binks. I'm the king of the swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. Or are you Bill Cosby? I stop, and that's what's bothering me. I think you're Bill Cosby. Yeah, or we can just think of the Jungle Book, which is a fun soundtrack. Maybe you'll think of me when you are all alone maybe the one who is waiting for you will prove untrue then what will side.